You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, Labor Day weekend is almost here, and the Democrats are feeling large and in charge because they think they fooled us with some bright, shiny object. And we're going to debate affidavits and warrants all the way up to uh, Election Day. And should Trump be indicted? I oh, no, we're not falling for it, Joe. Mm-mm, you can't fool us. You might be able to fool yourselves and the fake news and all the 50,000 uh, former federal prosecutors on MSNBC. But the people, we know what you did. And we're going to hold you accountable. All right. And folks, you got to know this stuff off the top of your heads when you're talking to your friends. If you have any friends who disagree with you politically, and some of us do. Number one, the woke insanity. Joe Biden owns this. He has endorsed it. He has promoted it. This is one of the many reasons to vote them out in November. Afghanistan, the Afghanistan loss. Joe Biden so headstrong. He knew better than anybody. Why? Because Bo Biden was in Iraq for a few months in 2008. How that affected Afghanistan, I have no idea. But he owns that defeat. Gas prices. Don't tell me gas prices have been going down for the past uh, five and a half weeks consecutively. You know how much this uh, debacle has cost American families? Almost $3,000 per family. We paid more because of these gas prices. And don't blame Putin, okay? That started on your watch before the invasion, which, oh, by the way, you're responsible for. More on that in a moment. Also, you can't use the Justice Department to oppress your enemies. You are doing that. Everything you said Donald Trump was doing, he wasn't doing, but you're doing it. In front of an election, a political opponent, you want to indict him now? (laughs) Give me a break. This is not going to work. It's not. And what else? We have... This insanity, the out-of-control crime, nobody likes this. This is indefensible, but Joe doesn't talk about it. He doesn't seem remotely perturbed. Why not? This is changing lives in a real deadly way. Uh, What else do we have here? Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, everybody. This guy's a criminal. You can't hide that, but I guess you kind of can. The mainstream media just pretends that laptop doesn't exist to this day after telling us it was Russia disinformation. No, November is our turn to hold you accountable. Uh, What's next on our list? Oh, yes, your abysmal approval rating. Um, Joe, you're right around 30 percent. It's funny. I watch the news and they don't really talk about that. I see pollsters, especially trusted pollsters. And they confirm how little regard the American people have for you. Uh, Also on our list, yes, the obscene abuse of children, which, Joe, I'm sorry, you seem to take some sort of pleasure in. What's going on here? 
why are you so fixated on children learning about gender dysphoria and doing something about it surgically? This is crazy stuff. I know it may sound great when you say, we have your back, young people who are transgender. Stay the hell out of it. Excuse me. Don't do anything until you're 18. You'll regret it, kids. You'll regret it. What else do we have on our list? Supply chain problems. We have not ironed that out whatsoever. you got a secretary of transportation. All he knows is how to talk about his husband. He does not know how to roll up his sleeves and actually get anything done. Uh, let's see. Next we have, oh, yes, no border. We have absolutely no border. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to vote them out. All right. Not picking sides, not endorsing anybody officially, but I can't wait. Inflation, inflation like we haven't seen since Ronald Reagan was president. Are you crazy since early in his administration? Yeah, that's on you, Joe Biden. Uh, You're not going to be let off the hook, not by the American people. Um, How about disunity? Ripping this country apart. You've got us at each other's throats almost, Joe. Why do you keep talking about January 6th? Where's the mercy? Where's the forgiveness, right? Aren't you a Christian? Seems like you just brag about knowing the Pope. I don't see anything worthy of calling yourself a Christian. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, Sorry. Pray for you. Pray for you. What else do we have on our list? Oh, yes. Zero energy independence. We are now begging for oil from Saudi Arabia. We weren't doing that. We weren't doing that. And I think... Finally, no respect on the world stage. No respect whatsoever. In fact, actually, one more item, the Ukraine invasion. That's also on you, Joe. Most Americans agree that there would be no invasion of Ukraine by Russia if Donald Trump were still in power. Putin sized you up in Geneva a few months before the invasion and said, I can take this Yankee. And he did. And he is. And it's on you. It's on you. All right. And also, your, is this on the list? His erratic behavior, day in and day out. He does extremely strange, totally unpresidential stuff. This is the guy who was supposed to be super presidential, right? Super normal. Bring us back to norma- normalcy. Not happening. How are you, baby? How old are you? How old are you? Almost double figures. Back the heck off, man. Uh, it's not cute. It's weird. Joe has a strange fixation on little kids, on girls, on women, old ladies. He's inappropriate, out of control around people he just met and some people he's known for a while. I would love to ask Hillary someday about this moment. I don't think she's ever been asked. Can you imagine that? Groped manhandled by a vice president at the time, and no one has ever asked her about it. That's a shame. This is strange, too. When Joe tries to connect, ooh, no wonder why they try to hide this guy in Delaware and South Carolina and in the basement. My deceased son, Bo, he was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. And what he used to do is go down on the east side, the book called The Bucket, highest crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area, on the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is and the best basketball in the city is. Yeah. All the crime and all the good basketball players are in the black neighborhood. Is that what you're trying to say, Joe? It seems that way. 
And it's a very strange way to speak for a supposedly normal president. Then again, I'm not surprised because you, uh, <laughs> you do it a lot. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's the essence of racism right there. And you'd be surprised how many people have not seen this clip. It's amazing. Uh, Joe, you ever notice he's always trying to be tough, sound tough, right? Talk tough. Hey, after all, he's tough. I mean, this is the guy who took on Corn Pop. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did. And back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. Is he on drugs? Does he do drugs? It's a serious question. I'm not... You know what I love about this clip the most? The kids. The kids are totally checked out. They have no interest in this guy whatsoever, nor should they. He is saying crazy, erratic stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with reality. You know, when Trump goes on the stump, he talks about us. He talks about the people. He talks about things that we have in common, common problems, solutions, not crazy tales that don't make sense from 50, 70, 100 years ago. Got it crazy. Look, it's kind of amusing as well. I'll grant you that. But uh, what are we going to do? This is serious stuff, folks. It's not enough to just get out and vote. You've heard me say this before. I think we should write checks to our favorite candidate, whoever they are, right? Little checks. Small donors are good. Also, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to some people I know. Everybody's got in their iPhone or their Android phone or whatever, you know, the contact list. And I was thinking there are, I could probably come up with maybe a hundred or so people that I haven't talked to in a long time. High school friends, you know, buddies from the Marine Corps. I bet I could come up with 100 people that I could call between now and Election Day. Personally call them and, hey, how you doing? How's it going? And engage them about politics and just make a pitch. This is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? And I'm going to go through my list and see. I wonder if there's anybody, you know, who might lean left, anybody whose mind I might be able to change. I'll do it with respect. I'll be polite. I'll have to listen. They may say no or whatever. Maybe I won't get to 100. But I think, why not, huh? I mean, isn't it worth it? A suggestion. Why don't you try it? If a couple of hundred thousand do it and, you know, 100 people, we're talking serious numbers here. I think it could help. It couldn't hurt, right? What do you think? Um, finally, this is fun. And you got to laugh at this stuff. Sometimes, I know, it's serious, but this is a little uh, compilation that we put. You saw the, the big stuff, but what about this? I mean that sincerely. Not a joke. Not a joke. I really mean it. It wasn't hyperbole. I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. And I mean this. I'm not being solicitous. Not a joke. I mean it. And I'm not just not hyperbole. I'm being I'm not being facetious. And I mean it. Not a joke. I really mean it. Not a joke. What are we doing? I have two shotguns at home. I can't. It's a long story, but I not oppose the guns. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious for real. I don't think so. Do you trust the guy who's always telling you, I'm not joking this time. I'm telling you the truth. That means most of the time 
He's not. Anyway, he's been saying this stuff since 1972. That's all he knows. It's terrible. And uh, so finally, I got to address this, and we will in the next block as well, the documents, the documents. Have you seen them all spread out on the floor? Oh, my goodness gracious, I just can't believe that a former president of the United States would have. No, I could totally believe it. All right. This is not a big deal. And I'm going to go into detail in that Presidential Records Act. It's ridiculous. There is a provision in there where Donald Trump is entitled to this material. Absolutely. And nobody seems to want to talk about this. Joe Biden took the oath of office on January 20th of 2021. Right here he is getting sworn in. He actually took it a little bit early, 1147 a.m. on January 20th. All right. About 40 minutes, uh, 50 minutes earlier, Donald Trump arrived in Mar-a-Lago. He was still the president of the United States. Constitutionally, he had an hour left on the job. When he got back to watch, when he got back to Mar-a-Lago, all those documents were already there. He was allowed to have him as president. But there's more to it than that, and we'll have that in just a moment. All right. Hey, happy Labor Day in advance. We'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, what do we think? Is this a scandal? Huh? Uh, what's the point? All right. A bunch of cover sheets that say secret on it. Uh, I'm not surprised that a president of the United States would have access to these, even a former president of the United States. I'll get to the details of why I think the president is fully entitled to these documents. And I think there's uh, there's statute and he's covered by law. All right. This is all phony. But we know what real scandal looks like. All right. America, we've seen some scandal. Hey, JFK was having an affair with Marilyn Monroe. Okay, the biggest actress and the president of the United States hooking up. That was kind of a big deal. How about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky? Yeah, we know what happened there. Actually, just a few feet from where they're standing. How about Hunter Biden? Okay, sorry, but he's a total crackhead. And uh, yet he's getting paid uh, millions of dollars by foreign companies. Why were they doing that? Hello, 10% to the big guy. That's a real scandal. And so is this. January 6th, I want to know who the little cop is, right? Letting people encouraging them to come into the Capitol. How about these cops just standing there as everybody walked on in? Yes, hello, welcome to the Capitol. Step right this way, no problem whatsoever. And worst of all, the three cops who just walked away and let Ashley ba- Ashley Babbitt be shot. There they go, time for a coffee break, huh? Da-dup, 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 da-dup. And then all hell breaks loose. Those are real scandals. Now, here are the phony ones. Bob Mueller uh, working a year and a half on Russia collusion, and there was no collusion, and that guy knew that right off the bat. <laughs> Russia spent $150,000 trying to influence the election. $150,000. Uh, that's nothing. How about this? Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, another phony scandal. This guy comes in, this guy, and brings the government to a halt. This little twerp, huh? 
because of something he wanted to hear on a phone call that was fine. They released the transcript. We had a, an impeachment. More recently, Cassidy. Oh, Cassidy. So beautiful. Therefore, we must listen to her and her stories about something she heard from another person who heard it from another person. And then we have a new entrant into this, um, this fellow. <laughs> now, who is this guy? He's the newest one, the newest fake controversy. He's uh, David Ferriero, the 10th archivist of the United States. Yes, the National Archives making, well, trying to take Trump down. It's their turn, I guess, after all the other people in the swamp tried it. Uh, now, this is what he saw that set him off. You ready? All right. This is the beginning of the scandal. This is January 20th, 2021. These guys with their boxes getting onto the helicopter. Doesn't that look very suspicious? The last day in office? No, it doesn't. But if you're a swamp rat and you want to make trouble, this is your excuse. And according to the archivist of the United States, this is the moment. He says, I can remember watching the Trumps leaving the White House and saying to myself, what the hell's in that box? He's talking about this moment. Next, it says... Uh, that began a whole process of trying to determine whether any records had not been turned over to the archives. Yeah, this guy's um, this guy's a problem. <laughs> really taken with himself. Listen to this. For people that may not have been familiar with your name before over the past year, they probably got familiar with it because of the legal wrangling with the Trump administration over access to its records. Um, how much can you say about that at this point? Um, I can say that there is an investigation going on. Um, I can say that um, we know that we we suspect that we don't have everything. We're still um, trying to figure out what what we don't have. Oh, my goodness gracious. The swamp. They're investigating another investigation of Trump. Is this the first time then in your tenure that you've ever been in a legal dispute with a presidential administration over access to records? This is the first time for me. And I believe it's the first time for, in a long time, for the, the agency, probably going back to Richard Nixon. Um, and that whole situation was responsible for the creation of the Presidential Records Act to establish the fact that those records are government property and not personal property. Oh, get over yourself. And there is actually a provision in the law where some of this material may very well be personal property. It's actually in the law. But this guy is a problem, just like everybody else almost in the swamp. So George Floyd in 2020, we know what happened to him. The National Archives. Hey, the National Archives, that's where you go as a tourist to see the uh, Constitution, right? What the hell do they have to do with anything? Well, they had to weigh in. You know why? Because it was an election year and they wanted Trump out. So they come out with these grand statements. The National Archives has something to say about George Floyd. We at the National Archives, a national outcry against racial violence and inequality arose after the deaths of George Floyd and other black and men and women. Give This is the National Archives weighing in on this stuff. Are you kidding me? We had several conversations and training sessions about racism, microaggressions, and diversity and inclusion. Big, you see, this got trouble written all over it. I have recently announced the formation of a task force on racism to identify areas where we as an agency must improve and to make recommendations for positive change. And one of those things that must change <laughs> is the color and the gender of the person who runs the National Archives. Yeah, he's one of those white guys who takes himself out. Listen to this. 
Uh, there's never been a female archivist, has there? No, I would. And that, that's advice I've given to the White House already, that you better not hire another white male. <laughs> um, that we've had 10 white males. Oh, that's so uh, <laughs> he's woke. He's hip. That's where it's at. But let's get back to the law. All right. The law, the Presidential Records Act. By the way, it's OK. The Presidential Records Act of 1978. Let's go through it. There are a couple of interesting things in here. It requires that the president and his staff take all practical steps to file personal records separately from presidential records. OK, personal records. The president actually has the discretion. What's personal? What's presidential? Next, please. It says as follows. Since the president has the discretion to determine what is personal material, this determination should be made during the incumbent's term of office rather than after the records are transferred to the National Archives. The president has the discretion to determine what is personal material. That's important. Now, some of this material that you see that the Justice Department put out and the pictures of the secret documents, oh my gosh, that's not personal. Well, some of it may very well be. A letter from a foreign leader to President Trump, that's arguably personal. You can certainly make that case. And the president does have the discretion to say this is a personal record, not a presidential record. These things can be worked out. They were working them out. Instead, they saw an opportunity and they sent the FBI in there. And now it looks like they're making an obstruction case. You know, when you can't get somebody on the on the real evidence, you try obstruction or you try perjury or you try some trick like that. It is a trick. It is a trap. And I don't think they're going to get away with it. Nope, they haven't yet. And they won't this time because our president is innocent. We'll be right back. Oh, a new viral video. A woman is about to get punched by the police. I actually think it's totally deserved. (laughs) Well, there she is. Okay, we'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. All I can can say say is is that that the fake fake news just just doesn't doesn't get it, it, do they? They don't get it. They don't understand. You know, remember when they glorified Black Lives Matter? All of it. The mainstream media, Democrats. This was all righteous and beautiful stuff. Um, It really was. They were so into it. That was an election year. And Kamala Harris was on the side of these rioters, even promised and encouraged people to contribute money to bail them out of jail. The people who destroyed things, broke things, hurt people, get them out of jail. This is what she tweeted. Can you read this? I know it's a little small. Um, If you're able to chip in now to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota. Wow. What a pandering, uh, self-serving virtue signal and very destructive action. Because guess what? Some of the people they bailed out were hardened criminals. They're like this guy, it looks like. Sean Michael Tillman, a convicted felon, and the Minnesota Freedom Fund posted his bail uh, back in April. And since then, well, allegedly he shot and killed a man in May. And now he's charged with murder. He was just arrested the other day. Um, Now, the Minnesota Freedom Fund has something to say about this. I can't quite figure it out. Minnesota Freedom Fund has learned that Sean Michael Tillman, who is currently charged with second-degree murder in St. Paul, 
is an individual to whom we previously provided bail support. This is where it gets fuzzy. It is neither just nor effective to respond to violence by denying bail and preemptively punishing people who are disproportionately poor, black, brown, and indigenous. To respond to violence by denying bail. That's the whole essence. You do want to respond to violence by sometimes denying bail. Kamala Harris, in some ways, this is very much on you. All right. Also this. A person in New York City was arrested and members of the community freaked out beforehand and took it out on this poor cop who struck back. Watch. All right. This woman is about to get involved and she really shouldn't. She's about to get punched after she punches somebody. Yikes, huh? Now, it's tough to watch. I don't like to see anybody get punched in the face, but she ran right up to the cop. She was where she shouldn't have been. And somebody was spitting at the same time, spitting on these cops. So she got punched. It happens. Maybe she should not have gotten involved and she shouldn't have hit that cop. I saw her hit the cop first, by the way. So they're coming down on this guy. He's under review. He's, you know, under investigation, all that stuff. I hope he, uh, I hope he pulls through. Hey, remember, <laughs> they gave the cop who shot Ashley, Bab- Ashley Babbitt a medal. <laughs> this guy just punched somebody who was coming after him, defending himself. All right. MSNBC, it's to be avoided. It is woke and weird all the time, but on the weekends, it's like psychedelic weird. Take a look. We can build new systems of public safety that do not involve the police, because if cameras were a deterrent alone, frankly, we would have seen massive police reform after the beating of Rodney King, which, let's we forget, was caught on video camera. This is not operating as the deterrent that uh, reformers promised it would. And I used to be one of those folks. I stand firmly in the belief that we can live in a world without police and that we can be safe all on our own. Be, all right. Knock yourself out. Uh, you can't do that here in America. Defund the police. I heard about that. I didn't like it. She says get rid of them altogether. A lot of folks on the left believe in that. And on MSNBC, they're trying to be all anyway. That's what do you think? huh? Now, the guy uh, on the other side, watch this. Policing in America, as we know it, does not have a future in terms of its humanity, in terms of its feigning civility. None of it has a future. And so the only hope is to uproot it from the ground up and start over and build something better, given what we've learned with this failed experiment in American policing. He's wrong across the board. There's no data to break back him up. None. Um, But he's a brilliant guy. Just ask his pillowcase. What does it say? Yeah, black brilliance. Huh. That's uh that's quite a that's quite a decoration there. All right, stay with us. Uh, they are operating on children. Gender reassignment surgery on children is happening. We'll meet an investigative journalist who uh, just uncovered some shocking examples. We'll be right back. Hey, Gorbachev is dead. Got to admit, I'm not broken up. However, he was a major, major figure in history. Not nearly as major as the guy sitting next to them. Next to him, though, Ronald Reagan. Uh, also, 
take a look at this. Uh, Gorbachev and the guy on the left sitting at the table, that's Richard Nixon in the 1980s. He was gathering, well, a little bit of intelligence, making observations and reporting back to President Reagan. Uh, very interesting. His observations were, there they are, there they are together. I think they had a, a pretty good relationship. Hey, I'd like to bring in two experts. We have Craig Shirley, presidential historian, author of the recent uh, April 1945, The Hinge of History, but several books on Ronald Reagan. Craig, welcome back. And also welcome. Christopher Thanks, Nixon Cox, a member of the board of directors of the Nixon Foundation, and oh, by the way, grandson of Richard Nixon. Welcome to you both. Craig, first to you. Uh, He's gone, and there's nothing we can do about it. What are your thoughts on uh, Mikhail Gorbachev? And tell us a little bit about uh, the Reagan connection. Well, you know, Greg, my first thought was that a page in history is turning uh, with, the, with the passing of Mikhail Gorbachev. The last of the, uh, of the giants of the Cold War, uh, Thatcher, Pope John Paul II, Reagan, and now Gorbachev. Lech Walesa is still with us, thank God. Uh, but they're all gone, and that's that closes the chapter on a, on a significant portion of American history. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, be the uh, skunk at the uh, picnic, but Gorbachev was kind of Reagan was the straw that stirs the drink. Reagan was uh, Gorbachev was kind of a, uh, a, a not a bystander, but he, he, he events were forced on him. The Russian, uh, the the revolution by the hardliners, Ch uh, Chernobyl, uh, Reagan's uh, advances in in the West with his SDI and uh, defense spending and uh, other initiatives, to, uh, diplomatic and other, all the forces were closing in on Gorbachev, and he was really forced into t trying out perestroika and and, uh, and other uh, reforms. Some of which are good, but he was still sending. Yeah. Uh, troops into he's still behaving like a Soviet dictator would. He was still sending troops into Latvia and Lithuania. Uh, so there was some there was sure. some good things about him, but the, the the major figure, the major hero of the Cold War, who won the Cold War, has to be Reagan. His statue is all through Eastern Europe, not Gorbachev's. His statue is at the Hungarian embassy, at the at the embassy, the Russian embassy, yeah. staring right at it. Craig, thank you for that. Um, and Christopher Nixon Cox, we have that picture of uh, your grandfather, Richard Nixon, with Gorbachev. And he had some very interesting observations. Uh, tell us about those and, and what did he do with them? Well, I think uh, many of the things that my grandfather said actually back up what Craig was saying. Uh, my grandfather met with Gorbachev because, of course, he had uh, my grandfather had such a close relationship with Ronald Reagan. And during the 1980s, uh, my grandfather would travel the world and then report back to President Reagan and the Reagan administration his thoughts on the world. So in his meeting with Gorbachev, uh, he understood that this was the uh, turning of the page for the Soviets, that this was a new leader uh, for the Soviets. He wasn't like Brezhnev or certainly like Chernyenko and Andropov, who were ancient. Um, that Gorbachev was smart, but he was also tough, which echoes what Craig was saying, and that Gorbachev uh, would send troops to, into the Baltics and other parts of the Soviet empire. He wasn't just going to roll over. It took a great leader like President Reagan to uh, to force the end of the Cold War. And Craig's absolutely right about that. Um, but it also was the role that my grandfather played, that he recognized uh, this about Gorbachev. He reported back to Reagan and he helped 
forward that foreign policy of the Reagan administration. And I also want to make one other point about Gorbachev. It's just it's amazing that you see a leader in Gorbachev uh, who took the so who really helped end the Soviet Union uh, with President Reagan. And then, in a sense, history passes him by. Uh, Yeltsin comes into power, is briefly in power for most of a decade. And then he's Gorbachev becomes a reviled figure in the Putin administration um, and is really thought of as someone who uh, let Russia down by ending the Soviet Union. So it's, it's in a sense, uh, a sad day. This is a melancholy about his passing today. And, you know, the opposite of, uh, you know, your grandfather, who, uh, you know, his influence continued to grow as he uh, as he aged. And his relevance increased over the years. And I think, of all people, Bill Clinton was perhaps uh, one of the most fond of him. Is that right, Chris? It's absolutely right. And I saw Bill Clinton um, a few years ago. We were in Africa together. And he actually told me that my grandfather wrote him a memo that was better than anything that he had ever gotten from the State Department on Russia. And he said that even to this day, and of course, that memo was written in 1993 or 1994, Bill Clinton said, even to this day, what my grandfather wrote in that memo still applies to Russia and to, to Russian policy. Uh, so it's remarkable the foresight my grandfather had uh, in the foreign affairs that his advice and wisdom is still relevant almost 30 years later. It is incredible. What a what a man. And uh, Craig, I want to ask you, because it's interesting, you, you studied Ronald Reagan, but you know Joe Biden. You've had some run-ins with him. And uh, he has delivered, I think, one of the worst uh, spectacles I ever saw yesterday in Philadelphia. And he's going to do it tomorrow again, I think, in Philadelphia as well. He was somewhere else in Pennsylvania yesterday. But he's going to talk about the soul of the nation. And it sounds to me like he's he's really trying to rip this country apart. Uh, and this man has no soul. Your thoughts? He's not trying to bring the country together. You don't unify a country by attacking half of the populace. You know, that's not the way to bring a country together. You know, when you, you mentioned Reagan, they invented the phrase Reagan Democrat for a reason, because Reagan got Republican votes, yes, but he all, and conservatives, but he also got a healthy share of Democratic voters. He spoke to, to, to all Americans, not just Republicans or not just conservatives. He spoke to, in his eight years as president, he spoke to all Americans. And that's why he is, you know, considered by most historians to be one of the reasons why he's one of our, considered to be one of our four greatest presidents alongside Washington, Lincoln, and Franklin Roosevelt, because they, they all freed or saved many, many people. Reagan left office with a 73% approval rating among uh, all the American people, and that speaks volumes, I think, about the measure of the man and his standing in American history. Craig Shirley, thank you. Check out his book, the latest, April 1945, The Hinge of History, and Christopher Nixon Cox. Thank you so much for your... Uh, your recollection and your uh, uh, your analysis. And by the way, uh, you um, you spent it's kind of amazing to me. He was your grandfather. Tell us something about uh, Richard Nixon that uh, nobody else knows but you, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you about Richard Nixon. You know, he had a really big heart and uh, he really cared about people. And I'm going to tell you a story about people who knew him. It was the stewards in the White House. I went and visited the White House, maybe it was about 15 years ago, a little over that with uh, President George W. Bush. And I remember that stewards who had worked for him, there were a few still around then, would come up and say, you know what, your grandfather was so kind. He always asked about my family, always asked about my kids. He really cared about me as a person. 
Uh, he wasn't just ordering me around or something like that. He really cared about me as a person. And I think that's something that people don't know that much about uh, regarding Richard Nixon was what a great person he was. That's beautiful, beautiful. And a great picture of you as a little tight there with your grandfather we saw a moment ago. Great, gentlemen. Thank you both. We'll be right back. Yes, trans surgeries are being done on minors, on children, and here's proof. A new article by Brandon Showalter. He writes for the Christian Post. You can go to www.christianpost.com and follow Brandon at Brandon M. Show. Uh, Brandon, welcome to Newsmax. How are you tonight? Thank you, Greg. Good to be with you. So I keep hearing from uh, the mainstream media I keep, uh, two things. They don't talk about it. And when they do talk about trans uh, surgeries, they say it's not being done on children. That is incorrect? That's absolutely incorrect. They are lying and they're running interference for these children's hospitals and these gender clinics that are dismantling children, dissociating them from their sex bodies. And I can prove it. And I figured the best thing to do was take a page from Libs of TikTok, who simply shows their antics to be what they are. And I figure I'll just show the receipts. So I collated a list of some of the journal articles that I've seen, peer-reviewed medical journals, where it's indisputable. The gender clinicians themselves say that they have done these uh, disfigurement surgeries on minors, people under the 18. It just read their own words. I've got all the citations right there listed. How many, uh, do you have a, a guess, an, an estimate, how many of these say have been done in the past year, two years, six months? That's hard to know, at least in the U.S., because uh, we have 50 different states and the data, it is harder just to track all those things. But the media's lie that these things are not happening is patently false. Uh, the journal articles that I list, for example, speak of, and one of them is the Journal of Sexual Medicine. They openly say there was a surgeon that's interviewed that say that they did a vaginoplasty on a 15-year-old. Uh, at Boston Children's Hospital from 2017 to 2020, in Table 3 of an article of, in the Journal of Clinical Medicine, they did at that one surgery center 65 double mastectomies on minor girls. It's indisputable. It's right there. So if they're telling you that it's not happening, you can take it to the bank that it's a lie because they are. And the documents say so. Just read the original source material. And Dr. Rachel Levine, who has a senior position in the Biden administration, who is transgender herself, I guess we're supposed to say. Himself. Uh, Dude right. Is a man. Right. Is uh, kind of openly. Well, first you he the doctor was very cagey about this during public testimony, as you know, would not say yes. one way or the other. And now since confirmation and has the actual power has been promoting uh, gender reassignment uh, or something to that effect. They have come out. And at times I can't tell if it's a gaffe or if they want to say these things. Uh -huh. It's nefarious. Uh, you should assume the worst, because when I receive pictures of these disfigured and sterilized young people in my inbox, it about sends me into the abyss. It's absolutely horrible. It's like staring into the fourth circle of hell. It's unconscionable what's going on under the banner of medicine in this country. Gender affirming care, that's the euphemism. It's it's butchery. Our children are being devoured by this beast. And I just want to ask all of your viewers, how many is too many? 
how many children, teenagers, and young adults have to wind up sterile and disfigured in service to this lie called gender identity before you rise up and say that's enough? Uh, Rachel Levine, uh, Richard, is his real name, it's, uh, he belongs nowhere near children and, and certainly nowhere any liver of power. So you know what they're going to accuse you of and they'll accuse me of because um, I am with you on the biological reality that is uh, Richard Levine. They'll say we're transphobic and they'll say horrible things about I don't care, by the way. Uh, But I think some telling the truth about biological sex is not hate. It's material reality. I agree with you. However, there are plenty of people who um, may agree with us, but they're scared. They're scared about the blowback. They're scared about uh, the mainstream media. They're scared about cancellation. And I feel like that fear is so pervasive. First of all, do you sense that? I mean, I'm with you. I am a thousand percent with you and I want to push back. How do we push back? And what do we do about that? I mean, I I feel like we got to get more people on board and maybe thanks to your work, that this is actually happening to children, it won't be that hard. Just push past your fear and speak the truth no matter what. That's the first step. And realize that fear is a liar. And I almost want to believe and prophesy that when this spell of gender ideology breaks off of our society, you and I, Greg, are going to be among the few that are it's not going to be shocked by the scope of the carnage that's out there. And that let him call us transphobic. It's No, it's just we believe in biology. We believe there are human beings or a sexually dimorphic species, and it's not hateful to say so. So push past your fear. And if it helps, just show them the receipts. Show them the journal, journal articles. Go online and look at these pictures of these disfigured children and let what's being done to them horrify you. Let it jolt you out of your stupor and say something because these kids need a voice. They're being maimed permanently and somebody's got to speak up for them. Do you have a theory as to why all of a sudden or has this been happening for a long time and all of a sudden at once or however that saying goes? I mean, this does seem to be almost overnight. (laughs) It wasn't that long ago where, you know, don't ask, don't tell was a policy Donald Trump comes out and says, we're not going to do any gender reassignment surgery in the Pentagon. And they, right. they, they try to demonize him and call him a radical just because it's kind of crazy. Why now? What do you what's the bigger picture here? Why? Well, as a Christian, I have some thoughts about this, and I think it's just classic spiritual warfare. But if, from a secular point of view, I think there's many factors at work. And I think there's a lot of people that stand to make a huge profit off of medicalizing children for life. This may sound a little bit tinfoil hack conspiratorial, but if you follow the money here, the medical industrial complex stands to make a killing, literally (laughs) and figuratively, uh, lots of money off of putting children on these drugs and butchering their bodies. Because once you go through some of these surgeries, you'll probably need to correct them again and again because they don't repair the body. There's nothing wrong with the body, but they're maiming it and they have to repair it, repair it again. And these hormones that go along with a lot of this experimental medicalization, once you go on them, you'll be a medical patient for life. So they've just got you by the throat. So, but this has been a a multi sort of many years of planning for this to be pulled off. You're right that it has exploded, uh, but there's many factors at work here. But I would say to your viewers, follow the money and take a look at the activists who are pushing this in these hospitals. They have other ulterior motives and they aren't good. Fascinating and tragic. Uh, We thank you, Brandon Showalter. Please go to thechristianpost.com and follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon M. Show. Is that the right one? At Brand? Okay. That's correct. Excellent, sir. Please come back soon. Thank you for your work, and we'll be right back.
Hey, have a great Labor Day. I'll be back on Tuesday. John Tobacco will be here tomorrow night. I'll be watching. I hope you do as well. Thank you so much. Remember, reach out to 100 people between now and Election Day. We can do this. All the best.